Welcome back for another episode of the Kettle Menu podcast. And this week we're talking about what's on the menu. Not in the sense of eating beef, but more in particular what our cattle are eating. This week, Dr. Paul Beck joins us on the podcast to talk about nutrition. Primarily about nutrition in the terms of minerals and supplements in your cattle's diet. This is a conversation I really enjoyed because I like getting down into the nitty gritty and I'm often jealous that my cattle have a nutritionist and I don't. We are excited to have Paul join us today. Thanks for joining, Paul. Thank you for the invitation. Why don't we start a little bit with your background and bring everyone up to speed with your role in the agriculture industry? Well, I'm uh, Paul Beck. I was raised on a diversified wheat and uh, mostly stalker cattle farming operation in central Oklahoma. I attended Oklahoma State University. I got my bachelor's and master's here. I returned to the farm for a few years and uh, managed it, then got the opportunity to go to the University of Arkansas and manage a experiment station cow herd and uh, work on my PhD while I was there. So spent six years there at the Southwest Research and Extension Center at Hope, Arkansas. Finished my PhD and and there was a faculty position that happened to come available at that unit. So without having to move or pack up my family again, we stayed there and I uh, was an extension and, and research beef cattle nutritionist for University of Arkansas for right at 15 years. Uh, before that, I got the opportunity to come back to Oklahoma State. I'm uh, the statewide beef extension uh, nutrition specialist. I focus on stalker cattle and and feedlot nutrition primarily, but still do some cow-calf work as well. What do you think is some of the difference in nutrition that you've seen in your career? Are we starting to focus on nutrition more. Just talk about the evolution of what you've witnessed in the nutrition segment over the years. In the last 30 years that I've been involved specifically with beef cattle nutrition, in some ways moved, made some massive moves forward. We know a lot more about mineral nutrition and the roles of different minerals in production. We have a lot better trace mineral products to go along with that. Recently, we're, we're starting to understand more and more about different probiotics and prebiotics and feed ingredients that we can use to improve health outcomes and, and reproduction. And, you know, as we get finer tuned on a lot of these things, there's some smaller and smaller items that really make a difference in our production. Also, we've kind of regressed, I think, a lot in the targeted supplementation of grazing cattle. And in a way, a lot of our finishing diets are not as specifically tailored to the types of animals as as we had been in the past, or we have the capability of targeting those. So, you know, 25 years ago, byproduct feeds of grain milling industries became more and more available. We started understanding the use of these digestible fiber byproducts, soybean holes, corn gluten feed, distillers grains, and the like. And with those came a lot of 
extra protein or, or we're able to buy those ingredients for the energy cost of the feed and they were comparable in cost to corn or even cheaper than corn on an energy basis. So the protein was free and that made it to where we could overfeed protein and still cost effectively put gain on cattle. So we lost focus on, you know, targeting the right protein quality and protein level on a lot of our supplements and a lot of our finishing diet. Whenever distillers grains in the last couple of years have become more limiting and our, you know, we had to relearn how to target the protein levels of these finishing diets, especially to meet those cattle's requirements instead of overfeeding protein. The other thing that's become more and more popular, and it's because of labor issues, consolidation, and a lot of our grazing operations as well, is self-fed supplements. And there's still some challenges in making those fit with the production systems and making those cost effective. So and we've made some massive steps forward in a lot of areas, but I don't think we've, we've made equal you know, movement in, in some other areas, especially regarding some of our management. That's really interesting. I actually spent a summer in Australia in college on a cow-calf operation, seed stock producer in Australia. And I remember telling people that I thought they were 15 years ahead of us in reproduction and 15 years behind us in nutrition. And just the whole concept of how they understood and utilized nutrition and some of the things you're talking about really hit home with that experience. So I found that really interesting. One thing that I notice is in a year where margins are tighter, it does seem as if mineral supplements can be cut. Some of that gets cut out of the budget really quickly. Can you just maybe start from the beginning about a good mineral program and then what happens when when herds are missing a mineral program? How long till they see the effects? What are some of the consequences? Things like that. So yeah, the, the sticker shock becomes real whenever you start trying to cut costs and, and you look at these mineral supplements, they're, you know, costing 25 or $30 per, per bag of mineral. The way I look at mineral nutrition is it's for sure one size does not fit all. And that goes for different classes of livestock, different areas within, you know, the United States or worldwide, and also just different seasons of the year. So in, in Southwest Arkansas, we had some uh, big problems with a lot of our trace elements in our forages. Copper, zinc, and selenium were either marginal or, or uh, deficient in many of our warm season perennial grass pastures there, especially when we started looking at highly managed, you know, the best managed uh, places had the worst problem. A lot of that had to do with the soil, the soil types, the soil pH. In that area, molybdenum is a problem and it interacts with copper and, and zinc and it makes it to where copper is not available. It binds with copper in the, the rumen and it, it's not digestible. So, you know, we could feed a good quality inorganic copper source like copper sulfate at the, what we would consider to be the proper level, but it'd get bound up. So, 
we had a lot of success and, and actually showed improved gains uh, of growing stalker cattle when we supplied at least some organic types of copper, whether it's a copper proteinate or a copper amino acid. We saw similar things with zinc and, you know, the uh, selenized yeast or selenium that's organically bound to a, a yeast type product. They all made huge differences in the immune system, the response to vaccination, reproduction with cows. So where those trace minerals all had a role, we saw improvements with both cows and uh, reproduction and calf response. We did not need very much phosphorus in our minerals in that area. So we needed a higher copper, lower phosphorus, and well-balanced trace element package in, in those mineral supplements. You know, if we look at Western Oklahoma, where I'm dealing now, so Oklahoma, you know, goes from Eastern Oklahoma, which is in the, the fescue belt, high rainfall zone with, you know, predominantly Bermuda grass and um, introduced warm season forages, very similar to what I was working with in Arkansas to Western Oklahoma, where it's tall grass prairie or, or mixed grass prairie, lots of range, you know, in those, we may have plenty of trace elements, but a lot of those areas, we lack phosphorus. In different times of the year, we need different types of, of supplement for that. And so if we let phosphorus go down in, in western Oklahoma, you know, we can see a big improvement in cow reproduction when we add phosphorus back into that uh, mineral pack. There was one specific cow herd here in, in central Oklahoma. They were nutritionally doing everything right. They were uh, supplementing the cows well. They were in good condition. They were actually uh, using some complementary forages like wheat pasture to use with the cow herd at certain times of the year. And they were doing fairly well uh, reproductively at about an 85 to 88 percent breed up. You know, they were wanting to, to do even better because these cows were in great condition. So they started asking about, they had a salesman approach them about uh, some really highly fortified minerals with some organic sources of trace elements and, and some probiotics uh, included. When they asked me, is it worth it to pay this extra for this mineral? You know, my response was, well, you're doing everything else. The biggest response you'll have now is with your mineral program. So they got into a pre-breeding mineral program from right about the time of calving through the breeding season. They were feeding this fairly expensive mineral and they went from, you know, their 85 to 88% reproduction rate. That next fall, they were several of their herds were at 100% rebreeding, and I think their uh, their young cows were were still up there about 95 to 97% breed back. So the mineral is probably not the place you need to cut, depending on your situation. So if you're managing everything else right, you know the mineral program can be your uh, limiting factor, and you know if you find the right type of mineral that fits your forage program, you know, you can have a really big bang for your buck. You know, just looking at a 7% increase in reproductive rate, how much is that worth? How much mineral can you buy whenever calves are, you know, we're looking at a buck 80 to $2 wean calves probably this, this fall. So maybe a thousand dollar wean calves. So you can buy a lot of mineral 
for that improved reproduction rate. Yes, you can. And when you put it that way, you know, it seems to be a no-brainer. What are some signs that either your mineral program is not working or you need to develop, you know, have a consultant come out and and get a mineral program in place? What are some of the most common signs or things that producers should be watching for? So mineral nutrition, and that's one of the reasons why it gets put on the back burner so often the mineral deficient signs that are the classic signs, a lot of them are really similar. The easiest to see would be one like magnesium deficiency on cows that have just calved when they're on, you know, a high quality or real green lush pasture, especially wheat pasture or, or cool season annuals of some kind, you know, we get grass tetany, but most of them aren't that obvious in Western Oklahoma where there are some some copper deficiencies we have some uh you know angus cow herds that you know whenever they they pull back on their mineral program and just start going with a salt block to supply salt through the summer you know their calves and the cow herds will take on a rough hair coat you know they start getting that dead looking hair so that's a sign of copper and, and some of our other mineral deficiencies but for the most part if we're doing most things right and just have like a slight mineral deficiency, the signs aren't really obvious. You know, we're not going to see calves with rickets or a lot of those just really obvious signs. So in production, most of our loss when we're dealing with minerals comes from those subacute or just uh, not obvious or, or just fairly marginal to slightly deficient. And as we start becoming more and more deficient, you know, usually we're affecting the immune system first. So if you've got calves you're raising and your biosecurity is fine and you, you know, start getting lots of disease pressure right pre-weaning, a lot of times we start having issues, what we call dust pneumonia, you know, in August when it gets really dry and people are, you know, having some baby calves succumb to a respiratory disease symptoms. Or if we're preconditioning, we keep our calves and they just don't respond to the vaccines and they start getting sick, you know, that may be a sign that your mineral program is not right. You know, so the first symptoms are immune function. Then we start getting into reproduction, you know, and then reduced body weight gain at fairly substantial deficiencies. And then we start, you know, when they're very deficient and all their stores are drawn out, we start having those classic symptoms of different mineral deficiencies. So if you've, you know, got everything right, your supplementation program for protein and energy is, is right. You're doing, you know, all the things you should do and you still got low reproduction rates, then you probably need to look at minerals. If you've got calves that are getting sick that shouldn't be, then there's probably something that needs to be evaluated. But really to pick up a lot of those, you need to have fairly tight management and really good record keeping to even notice that you have an issue. So my thought is, and, and you know what I tell people they need to do is evaluate everything, including your mineral package, and make sure that you're meeting those cattle's needs. If you aren't sure whether you're meeting needs, is there 
I mean, in humans, it's a blood test, right? Is there a test that you can, you know, call your nutritionist or someone to come out and kind of analyze the herd similar to a human blood test? There are. um, I have heard of different feed companies that would be willing to come out and do some blood work, you know, to, to help with that. Some of our minerals, especially the trace minerals, do show up in those blood tests if there's a deficiency. But for a lot of them, calcium, phosphorus, magnesium, you know, they're uh, fairly well controlled in the body. So you need a certain amount of blood calcium to, you know, maintain your, your homeostasis or maintain the cow's internal environment. So a lot of times a blood test won't pick up on that. Just looking at you know, your hay and your forage and and doing some mineral tests of that across the year. And then looking at that in comparison to the cow's requirements to me is, is about as valuable as, as many of the blood tests that we can do. That's great information. I think that at least I know in our situation, sometimes, you know, you're a little bit more hesitant to call a rep to come out on the nutrition side, because a lot of them are feed sale reps, right? And I think that we forget the piece that extension plays in nutrition. So can you talk a little bit about the services that you offer? I mean, anyone in Oklahoma, probably, right, who can call you, but give a little idea about the great resource that extension can be in this avenue. Yeah, so in Oklahoma, extension has a county agent in all 77 counties. Some of those there are, you know, may have shared ag agents that call on on two or or three counties, but they're available to come out or, you know, they're on call during the day to lend assistance at the local level. Also in Oklahoma, we have some specially trained area livestock specialists, and we're, we're lucky in Oklahoma to still have five of those. We have a area specialist in, in the Panhandle, Britt Hicks, uh, Northwest Oklahoma, uh, Dana Zook out of the Enid office. Southwest Oklahoma is, is Marty New. Northeast Oklahoma is Earl Ward. And Southeast Oklahoma is Brian Frecking. And those guys are a tremendous resource as well and, and you know, extremely helpful. And then the next layer up, Myself and, and Dr. David Lawman are on call on this on the state level. So we have a forage and, and feedstuff evaluation lab here in Stillwater that we can analyze forage samples. The county agents, area specialists, or or one of the state specialists, we can come out and help you with with sampling or direct you how to to get that sampling done, and then we can assist in getting those samples analyzed. Uh, usually. You know, it's not cheap. A lot of times it's, uh, I think, for uh, just your common fiber, protein, and, and energy value of forage, it's it's uh, $18 to $20, probably another uh, $20 or so to get your minerals. But if we have a fairly good analysis throughout the year, you know, spring, summer, fall, and, and then your hay resources, for a couple of hundred bucks, you can have a analysis of what you expect your your forage mineral and protein and and your you know the forage nutritive quality is throughout the year and that could be a highly valuable in setting up 
resources you need to to meet the deficiencies that are in the forages that that you're producing on your own farm. I would say one of the biggest game changers in our backgrounding lot has been forage testing. We Whenever we get a new load of hay in, we test it and we build the ration off of that. Whenever we're chopping hay, we're testing. And that has really, you know, it seems like it's an added expense, but actually what it's done is it's allowed us to mix rations that are the cheapest ration possible that still meets our nutrition goals. And so, you know, there's some hay that's higher quality. And so we get to mix more straw in our vice versa, but that has really been a big game changer. So I think if if someone hasn't tested their forage, I would highly recommend that they consider that, especially on years where they're going to be a little bit tighter. You know, it looks like we're headed into a pretty good calf year, but you know, there is some drought and stuff like that. And so I think forage testing plays a huge role. Whenever um, I talk to producers about this, you know, we look at a lot of our big feedlots, all the big feed companies, you know, the poultry integrators, the, the swine operations, they test every load of corn. And corn, you know, we can look up a book value and be within a couple of percentage units on protein and energy value. But on, on forage, you know, it's nearly impossible to tell by looking, you know, what the quality is, you know, um, and it can be so variable from two or 3% protein all the way up to the mid twenties to 30% protein and energy can be from, you know, the thirties all the way up to the sixties or seventies for something like corn silage. So there's so much more variability in our forage and especially for people that are grazing or feeding high roughage diets, that's the majority of where the nutrients are coming from. So uh, yeah, you're right. It's just, you know, having a, an idea on that is nearly essential to try to get things nailed down and figured out. I think just like in humans, nutrition plays a much bigger part than we have even really figured out yet, to be honest. I think we're still exploring and we'll see how, you know, what we consume, what the livestock consumes, the role that it plays. And I think that it's an area that we talk a lot about forage And we talk a lot about what we feed in the winter. Can you talk to me a little bit about kind of summer grass and some things that people should be aware of or be looking for when they turn their cattle out, you know, May, June, or even some mineral supplements that typically go well with kind of that season of grass? So I think most of the adjustments that can be made, especially when we're dealing with green and and growing forages is a lot of that we can pull back on our phosphorus, which is a very expensive part of the you know, mineral package. But also what we've in some areas is some of those trace elements may not be as available at that time. So we may be looking at a higher calcium, higher, more fortified trace element package. Uh, another thing that that's a Big problem that we sometimes forget about when we first turn out cattle and they're on small grains, if they've just freshly calved or green growing grasses is magnesium. And so our spring minerals, especially for older cows that have just calved, should include 
a higher magnesium level. And so that goes into, it's a bitter tasting mineral. And so mineral consumption may come down as we add, you know, up to that 10% magnesium oxide in those minerals. So those are some adjustments that need to be made. Even uh, with some of our stalker cattle, you know, they're, they're not requiring as much magnesium, but it still does get tied up in potassium and, uh, you know, our potassium levels and a lot of our green forages are, are somewhat higher. So, you know, we may need to go up to, instead of a half percent magnesium, go up to about two or 3% magnesium in some of those minerals. So the changes are probably fairly subtle. That's when a lot of people's like, well, we got green growing grass, everything's great. We can just throw out a salt block and it'll be fine, but they still do have needs. And some of the work I've seen where in some personal experience, if we've got an unbalanced calcium to phosphorus ratio, our phosphorus is fine, our calcium may be a little bit marginal to low. If we add calcium, we can really increase gains. And we see that a lot with green growing grass or our wheat pastures and our early season grass as well. And a lot of times in these grow yards with, with byproducts, if they're not fortifying with limestone or calcium carbonate, you know, they're not getting the, the expected performance and we can really improve performance by adding a mineral pack that's, that's balanced to fit. Do uh, heifers and cows, can they be on the same mineral program or do we need to consider splitting them and having two different programs? For most of us, we could use the same mineral program. If we've got the ability to separate our young cows from our old cows, the ones that are most susceptible to grass tetany would be the older cows because they can't mobilize the bone resources of, of the magnesium. So, you know, a higher mag mineral on those types of cows going out on green grass would, would be uh, fairly important. Getting a heifer rebred is, is a struggle, you know, if we're taking care of everything. So once we've got those heifers, if we're feeding them to meat, energy, protein, uh, and everything, I think a higher fortified, even, you know, the higher organic trace elements uh, or trace mineral packs would benefit those types just so that we can take care of all their needs and, and have less and less that would be restricting their ability to rebreed. That is something that's really helpful to consider. As we get wrapped up here, is there anything else that you want producers to keep in mind or consider when studying a mineral package or you know, meeting with a nutritionist, find someone, someone to add to their team to really help in this nutrition piece. I think the things to keep in mind are spending a lot on a mineral or paying for the right mineral is very cost effective. Overpaying for the wrong mineral is a waste of money. And right now where everything costs so much more, you need to really target and look at what mineral is needed and what your goals are. And if we're spending a lot on a mineral, but not taking care of our other problems, you know, we're short on grass, and, you know, parts of Oklahoma, we're still in fairly substantial drought. It won't pay for itself if, if we're just taking care of the mineral without taking care of the other factors of production. So it's a step in the right direction, but we just need to know what is lacking and try to target the uh, right type of mineral supplement for those needs. 
Goodman are all kind of adds an exclamation point to your program, but it certainly can't um, cover up if you're missing some other really key elements. Exactly. Great. Well, this was an incredibly helpful conversation. Where is the best place for our listeners to connect with you if they'd like to reach out? So we have a, a beefextension.edu is our website here at Oklahoma State University. And um, you can get in touch with me or uh, the other extension specialists through that site. You can always reach out to me through my email, paul.beck at okstate.edu as well. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining. I think this mineral conversation, like I said, is super important. It also feels for us animal science majors a little bit on the unknown with the new changes and things. And so I appreciate you chatting with me today. Well, thank you for the invitation. I enjoyed it. Are you interested in joining a community of progressive cattlemen? Cattlemen U doors are opening this May from the 2nd through 31st. We're excited to welcome people like you into our community dedicated to learning and reaching our goals. Cattlemen U is for any producer, whether you're just starting out or want to refresh your skills. You can join the waitlist today at cattlemenulive.com backslash join. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Cattlemen U podcast. And remember, the grass is greener where you water it.